You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast. Buddy, welcome back to the Team Stripes Podcast. This is episode 78. I'm Ross Grimaldi. With me, Brendan Est, as usual. Got some big energy today. Lots to talk about. Some breaking news with the National Hockey League. Just got done recording a fantastic interview that we hope you guys all enjoy. So let's get at it. Brendan, what's up, buddy? Uh, I'm I'm living the dream. I mean, obviously, breaking news as of today, hockey is coming back, I believe we said January 13th start yes. date. So the rumor mill is that I just saw, we have um, from Darren Dreger, uh, Puck Daddy Greg Wachinski, and some Pierre LeBron saying January 13th, a seven to 10 day training camp with no exhibition games. Nice. So that's going to be interesting. And then a potential for an expanded roster of 26 players instead of 23. Do we know if it's going to be a full season or like 55 games? So we are hearing uh, 56 games. Okay. That's not bad. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out. I'm sure the schedule is going to be regionally based. I would not be surprised to see uh, teams only play like maybe against, you know, Western teams play only Western mm-hmm. teams, Eastern teams, teams only playing Eastern teams, some fans in some buildings, no fans in others, who knows there. But the good news is it's looking more and more like we're going to be getting a hockey season. Yeah, I mean, I think the big rumor coming out have, for a while has been uh... – the all Canadian division. So that yep. way nobody has to go in or out of Canada because their borders, I believe are still closed. So my guess is we'll probably see an all Canada division and rework the other teams down here in the U S somehow, some way. I'm just glad yep. I don't have to do that job. And then we also had the ECHL get going this past weekend. Um, I tried pulling up scores, but I can't find any. No big deal. So we have a very small ECHL this year. I believe it's only 13 teams. Threes. Yep. So it's a 13-team ECHL. So kind of small. Um, being on staff, we've had some uh, interesting discussions with uh, as far as the level of play that the ECHL is going to have this year. Um, not knowing whether or not the American League is playing. Um, there's going to be some American Leaguers playing EC- on ECHL contracts and all that. So we're excited about getting going. Um, the regular season for the ECHL starts on Friday. So there's that. And it's weird because only half the teams get going on Friday. And then the rest of the teams get going, I think, the, first, the second week of January. Yeah, I think it was second week of January. Yep. So, and, weird, and I should but... know this. And <laughs> at some point here in the future, we're going to try to have on um, somebody from the ECHL uh, higher up staff. So we're um, I'm I'm going to work on that here this week. But anywho, so we got the ECHL going. We got NHL coming back, which means the American League will probably be not too. St- you know, not too far behind to announce. I thought they season. were like a February fifth. Yeah, start for I some heard. Reason. Yeah, sometime in February, but who knows? Yeah. So we'll see. So good news there, and then we're going to transition to a little bit of sad news. Um, the officiating world lost a Hall of Famer, 
this past week in uh, NHL ref uh, linesman, uh, Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brendan, do you want to run down his career stats for everybody? Yeah, so he skated 1,744 games. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1991. And then the coolest stat in my opinion he was in the national league for 21 years he worked the stanley cup final 18 consecutive years in a row from 1960 to 1977 which mind blown has to be a record that will definitely i i I don't see how it will ever be broken let's see so wes would have to skate 12 more stanley cup finals i think (laughs) at least maybe more i mean like I obviously wasn't around when he was skating. Uh, Neither was I. <laughs> yeah, so we don't really know. Like, I, I know nothing about this guy. Obviously, Hall of Fame linesman. He's he's and there, there for are a not, reason. And there are not many referees in the Hockey Hall of Fame. No. So the fact that he's there means something. Exactly. Maybe we'll have to uh, try to track down um, some old timers to uh, to talk about hockey back in the day. Which actually, thinking about that. Well, I don't know why we haven't thought about this before. I, so, I know uh, one really good one that could do it. Perfect. Let's let's try to set that up. So, but yeah, some sad news. He was 87 years old. 87, right? yeah. 87 years old. So at 87, he had a good run. Like, man, uh, living that long. Good for him. He uh, obviously, like we said, Hall of Famer, 18 straight Stanley Cup Finals. He got to sure, his son uh, win a Stanley Cup as a GM. Oh, yeah, that's right. His son was the GM of St. Louis. St. Louis. Doug Armstrong. When uh, when they won the Cup just uh, two, two years last, ago. Well, two, two? two seasons ago, technically. Yeah, I don't know. But it, it, what a, you know, who time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this year has just been such a mess. But anyway, yeah, so um, – what a what a life that guy had, you know, working that high level hockey and then getting to see his son become a general manager and win the Stanley Cup. So I'm sure he's uh got some ice to skate on up there, joining join the rest of the Hall of Fame and other previous uh, NHL linesmen that and referees that, you know, are no longer with us. So I guess with trans uh transitioning out of that sad news. We're going to go ahead and talk to uh, Sammy Klein. She is a referee from Florida. She now lives in Massachusetts. She ended up going up there uh, because she's a flight attendant as her, uh, as her real job. So she lives in Mass. She's a fantastic person, really good referee. And uh, I was very happy to finally get her on the podcast because I've been trying for a couple months now. So without further ado, here's our interview with Sammy Klein. I have known Sammy for quite a few years. She is originally a referee out of Florida. Um, met her through doing tournaments and other miscellaneous things, uh, hockey-related throughout the state. She's a fantastic official, great person. And uh, Sammy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. It's definitely a pleasure having you on. How are you today? I'm doing good, just up in Massachusetts, where I live now, so uh, just, you know, always looking back for my Florida friends, though. Uh, Yep, it's always nice to see you and talk to you, because, you know, we just had you down a few weeks ago, 
worked a right. couple we'll, uh, we'll we... be together in a couple of weeks here soon so yes. that's exciting yes we will I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it so I guess we'll just kind of jump into this where we start with everybody else so how long have you been refer refereeing hockey and why did you get started so I started refereeing when I was 20 I'll be 26 this upcoming April, so coming up on six years. I uh, wish I started when I was 13 or 14, but what can you do? Um, I got into refereeing. I grew up uh, figure skating, so I was homeschooled in high school for figure skating, took that pretty seriously, um, and then spent a good amount of my time in high school scorekeeping. I worked a little bit of ice crew for the Florida Panthers, got to know a couple of those referees and all the local guys that told me for years, you know how to skate, you know the rules, you should referee, you should referee. So I started doing that when I was 20, just, just to give it a shot. And it kind of took off for me. So now I'm pursuing that up here in New England, um, working college hockey and working junior hockey and some USA stuff for the women's side. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And I could have sworn you, you've, it feels like you've been refing longer than just six years. <laughs> I feel like, like that too sometimes. <laughs> man, that's wild. It feels I, crazy when I only say it's been six years. Cause Not I remember, I remember meeting you. I think you were scorekeeping at like, uh, West Palm beach. So skate zone. Probably there. I yeah. Think that's, I think that's where I met you. Something like that. Yeah. But anyway, so you bring up the fact that you were a figure skater first. And I know a lot of us referees, the thing we say all the time is, you know, we got to work on our skating, always working on our skating. Having that, the fundamentals in the background of being a figure skater and then switching over to wearing hockey skates, how do you think that's helped you um, as being a referee or with being a referee? Right. So I really had to work on my skating in a lot of different ways than some other people transitioning from playing to officiating. Uh, in the beginning, it was a, it was different for me. I, I was very self-conscious of the fact that people would know I didn't, you know, really play organized hockey. I played a little bit of hockey, like on a, on a town team when I was a kid with neighbors for fun. I always had, you know, hockey equipment and skates, but never really on a serious team. Um, so the skating transition was different. I had a lot of early supervisions, you know, where people would compliment my backward skating. Um, and, and it would be just something different that you wouldn't normally hear in a supervision, supervision. So where I didn't have to work on some of the edge work type things, I had to work on mechanics of things you don't learn in the figure skating world. So like three quick strides, right? And like mm -hmm. explosive skating isn't really something that you're taught in figure skating. Um, so that's something that I had to spend a lot of time working on, if not still try to work on when I'm on the ice all the time. Um, the way that you jump when you skate, um, cross unders as opposed to lifting your foot. There were a lot of different, just different ways of skating that I had to learn. And I obviously came into that with some advantages. Um, that some other people might not have had with my figure skating background, but it still had a couple of disadvantages as well. Um, so well, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of nuanced little things that are specific to referees compared to whether it be playing or figure skating, like you said, your cross unders, the explosive starts, that kind of stuff. Right. 
So I think I've come a long way with that. Um, I had a supervisor tell me about a year ago, the same thing that we tell newer officials when we instruct these camps, you know, like you're not skating with a stick in your hand anymore. So mm -hmm. the fact that this supervisor thought to say that to me made me feel like I came a long way and looking like a hockey skater out there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just a different perspective, but it's all good. Just takes just as much work as everybody else. Oh yeah, for sure. Brendan. Yeah, I mean, I am curious, like, with the figure skating, like, did you think you were leaps and bounds of head, like, ahead of everybody else skating? Um, not, not exactly. The times that I felt like that have been throughout different camps that I've went to in the portion of the camp where, you know, you work on the edge work. Um, those times when people are, like, most nervous is when – I have been a little bit more confident, mm -hmm. um, but I felt the equal amount of, you know, nerves where other people feel confident in different areas of skating, like speed. Like I, I very much know that I've never been the fastest skater on the ice. So that's something that I've had to spend a lot of time working on. Um, but, but yeah, definitely I, there's just areas where, you know, different skill sets excel. And with the edge work, that's just an area that I'm lucky to have under my belt. Um, but yeah, still comes with its advantages and disadvantages. Now, did you watch a lot of hockey growing up? I mean, being from South Florida, you're, you're a Panthers fan. So like being a figure skater, watching the game on TV, and then starting to ref, having never really played, like, what was that like trying to pick up, you know, what's a penalty and why it's a penalty? Does, does my question make sense? Absolutely. So I, I actually get this question a lot when I tell people that I didn't truly play the game of hockey competitively growing up. Um, and I feel like my go-to answer is so many officials are goalies. If you ever really thought about that, we have well, so many goalies and goons. goaltenders. Do what? <laughs> goalies and goons. And goons. <laughs> and so I wasn't have, a goalie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have so many goalies that go from, from being a goaltender, playing from that aspect of the game to officiating. And I think the reason why we have so many goalies turned referees is because the majority of their playing career, they're watching the game. They're not really playing as they would if they played out like a forward or they're not to say they're not really in the game, but they see the game from a totally different perspective. And they spend, oh, yeah. you know, they're never, they're never the, the person drawing the penalty if it was like a hook or a trip or they're not doing that you know they're watching it happen the same way that I spent forever watching it happen right I score yeah. kept and I know we think that's such a oh you score kept but I spent hours my whole life in an ice rink right I was homeschooled I was there all day I did my homeschool upstairs in a little office with a bunch of kids that played junior hockey at the rink I grew up at that were also homeschooled um and yeah, working for the Panthers was pretty cool. I actually started doing that before uh, I started officiating. So my first mm -hmm. season doing ice crew for the Panthers, uh, that was before I started refing, And that was a really cool environment to be in right on the glass game after game for the, you know, the entire season, Ross, like, you know, <laughs> being yep. in there. So it's pretty yep. cool. And you get to see everything right up close. And I got to know some of the guys that referee in the NHL. And um, yeah, I don't really think it, it hindered me too, too much. I mean, well, 
it makes sense because you were watching the game all the time. You were paying attention while you were scorekeeping. So, like, regardless of who is refereeing the game, whether it's a Panthers game or a local level game, like, you've been able to, I guess, watch and learn that way instead of having experience playing and then having that player perspective on it. Does that, does that make sense? So it was a lot of, so a lot of watch and learn for you. Right. So when you take a brand new baby official who just stopped playing hockey or is just starting to officiate, they still have to learn the basics as far as positioning and how to conduct yourself on the ice and how it actually feels to call a penalty. And I don't think that that was any more or less intimidating for me than it would be for anybody who was just starting to learn in the very beginning there. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. So then from there, once you got your feet wet, where, where, where did it take you? Like, let's think about maybe, cause I know you used to come to, did you ever do the Christmas tournament with us back in the day or? Um, you know what? I think I did one Christmas tournament and that was, I think that was the year before I moved to Massachusetts. There's so many, I know they always blur together, but yeah. I've definitely been there for at least one of them. And so really like after you got your feet wet then, like what, what did you do going from there? Like men's league, youth hockey, girls hockey, like how did, how did you kind of progress? Um, right. So the first two years that I lived in Florida, my first year officiating, I lived in Orlando um, and then year two, I had moved back home from school and I was in the Palm Beach area and I was doing, you know, similar, similar hockey that I was working my first year, just the youth stuff, some of the Florida high school stuff. And I was just out there trying to get better, trying to learn, doing everything I could because um, I was enjoying it so much. And then I got a job with Delta, um, a flight attendant. So which is that freaking awesome. Brought me up to Massachusetts where I'm based and yeah, I, don't, I definitely would never be where I am now if it wasn't for that kickstart that I got when moving to Massachusetts. So um, I just got thrown into some really great opportunities and I got the chance right off the bat to learn from some really, really seasoned and experienced officials up here that pushed me up to the next level. And I was just a sponge and I just wanted to learn everything there was uh, when I got up here. Um, I got kind of lucky my last year doing ice crew I was able to meet the director of NHL officiating and was able to go to the National Hockey League combine I was actually just about to ask you about the combine <laughs> so good so, segue weren't you one of the first if not the first female official to go yeah so I believe that I was the first female official um I I went back another year and then there were three other female officials that joined okay. me from Canada so there was a total of four of us my second year so that was really awesome yes yeah, so and then the following year they had a lot of women there um so it really kind of blew up in that regard and it's great to see women in sports being able to break those boundaries so I'm glad I could play a small part in that Talk and talk about that experience. Like, you know, that's a thing that a lot of the former players or whatnot would definitely, you know, look into doing if, or they get even get recruited into going to the combine. So like, how is that experience? What even happens there? Right. So the combine's just a really awesome environment. It's just, you have chills being there with the, everything the NHL puts on just from the minute you walk in the door so my first experience was very different than my second experience. 
my first experience, um, I went into this at the end of the summer that I had started flying. So I hadn't really been on the ice a whole lot. Um, I hadn't really worked a whole lot of high level hockey as of yet. And my local assigner in Massachusetts was at the combine. And so I was kind of using that as an opportunity for him to get to see me, get to know me, um, and test my own abilities. And I made a lot of friends. I did know a handful of people there, but, um, I was just there to have fun. I wanted to have the best time that I could. I, I networked a lot and I met a lot of really cool people. Um, as opposed to the second year that I went, I had spent that year now from that experience helping to kind of throw me into all the opportunities that I would come to receive. I spent that year training really hard. My second year, I went to the combine um, a couple weeks apart from my national camp, futures camp with, uh, with USA Hockey. So I was really training hard for that. Um, I was running. My mile was like seven minutes, 15 seconds. I was really trying to be in the best shape that I could. I already there you knew go. That's, the... that's booking. <laughs> Definitely can't say my miles that fast right now, guys, but <laughs> maybe we'll get back to that one day. Someday. Um, so, yeah, so I already kind of knew the workout that was expected of me. So I spent time training with that. And I think I went back and I kind of killed it time two around. I just gave it my all. And, and still, I was just there to have a good time. I had no idea that year three was going to open up the doors that it did for women in hockey. You know, we had a group of female officials go on to work rookie camp in the NHL. And yep. that's just really awesome. So I had no idea whatsoever that the next step would be that. I was just there to, you know, have a great attitude and have a great time. And I mm -hmm. am so happy. And you definitely happy. learned a lot. Yeah, I, I so learned then, a lot, absolutely. Obviously on the USA side, you've done the camp system in nationals. So like, what's that been like? Now, I should also say like, how much women's hockey have you refereed? So to answer that question, um, it's the women's world is really small. Um, and I think that once you kind of get into it a little bit, the doors just open up and everybody knows everybody. So it's really kind of cool to have that little family of officials in the women's world. Um, so opportunities came to me so quickly and I am so thankful that I had the opportunities that I had when I had them and I'm still, you know, continuing to work in the women's hockey world. So I work for Hockey East right now. Um, and then I've also worked in the NWHL, which is the National Women's Hockey League. So we have five teams in that league right now. And I think they just actually finally came out with a start date this year. Oh, did um, they? I haven't heard, Good. Yeah, I haven't heard correspondence I, on the officiating side, but I think maybe there was something on Instagram or on their social media talking about okay. a start. So that's pretty cool. Um, kind and then of I a, a little bit of D3. Kind of, I was going to just say kind of a cool thing about the NWHL, the girl that started the league, Danny Ryland, grew up here in Tampa. I actually yeah. I played hockey with, uh, with her brothers. Yeah, that's, it's very cool. So um, it's crazy. It's crazy how that league has grown into what it has over mm -hmm. the past couple of years. I know the women are really fighting um, well, now there's you know, a, for their sport. Well, now there's a players association as well, isn't there, for the women? Yes. So there's also the PWHPA. Um, I had a couple of those games. They scrimmaged, you know, some of the um, 
some of the hockey East teams. I think last year they scrimmaged. I think it, I think I had them against BC at the very beginning of the season, like a preseason game. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, I had the opportunity to work a Team USA scrimmage before they did their rivalry series with Canada. So that okay. was awesome. Just it's just always really cool being out there um, on the ice with girls that played the highest level of the game and it's an honor always to be out there it takes your breath away sometimes but um just you know take your games and skate as hard as you can but oh, yeah um, for sure yeah so to touch back on the camps the combine is very different from USA's camps the combine is really geared towards guys that played in the American League and the coast league or division one hockey that are looking to transition into officiating. So you really spend a day um, testing all of your physical skills on and off the ice. And then Mm -hmm. you spend the rest of the camp kind of broken up on teams playing, playing in actual like games. So each team has an opportunity to referee those games as well throughout the week. So the guys that don't have any officiating experience can kind of see what that's like. Um, whereas the USA camps are very much geared towards education and you spend a lot, you, you do do the physical and the, the on ice, off ice testing, but it's also rule book knowledge. <laughs> you spend a lot of time in the classroom, whereas that's not quite the same yeah, situation well, at, the, at the national camp. With the USA camps, it has a lot more to do with experienced officials than inexperienced officials. Of course. So just two totally different camps, really. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then USA's, you know, goal is getting and developing their people to go to either nationals or get their IIH, IIHF license. If I can ever say that. Properly. <laughs> I always, I, I always uh, I stumble over that one. So Brendan, what do you got? You're just sitting there being super quiet. No, uh, my question. We're taking it all in. I know. I've I've just been listening. I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> with like the futures camp, like, explain to somebody that might not know what that is. Like, what is the futures camp? What like, I guess, kind of like, where do you uh, the go USA from side, the futures yeah. camp? Yeah, like, where do you go from there? How do you get there? Absolutely. So the women's futures camp is a little bit different from the men's futures camp. So on the men's side of USA Hockey, Futures Camp is a regional camp that there's multiple of them that happen all over the United States, Um, whereas it's a little more streamlined on the women's side, um, just due to numbers, I'm assuming. So the Futures Camp on the women's side is their national camp. Uh, So same as the players, if you come up playing and you get invited, you know, to go to your district camp, regional camp, national camp um, to make those national level development teams, it's kind of the same thing for officiating. So everybody, um, once you're at a certain point, you know, you apply to these camps and if they pick you and, you know, you get into the camp, you would go there and you spend a week, um, Learning and getting to know the people who, you know, are the instructors, which are the same people that will then go on to pick you to work national tournaments. So it's just that board of kind of directors, so to say, who um, they come, they watch you, they teach you, they like you, they say, hey, here's the next level, right? So after after women's futures camp, the next level would then be, um, I guess, elite camp. I have not done that yet myself. I would love to have the opportunity to do that. I was trying to do it this year. Um, but COVID happened, so yep. they had to unfortunately cancel that camp. I um, messed but up the everything. Next, 
<laughs> yeah. So the next level camp after that would be where you can have the opportunity to get your international certification. So I'm not going to touch too much on that since I have not done that, done that. Um, but that's definitely in the future, hopefully be able to maybe do that next year. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, national camp for, for the women is really kind of like the gateway into the doors opening. That's when people really get to know your name on the national level and, um, you know, start to get some opportunities. You really like learn the fundamentals there and you leave with a good foundation. At, at national camp, is that when you leave, is that how they give the IIHF licenses or do women go to? No. Mar so that's the following camp. So after so national camp, the camp that I was trying to go to this summer, I believe it's elite camp. That's where okay. you would get your. Okay. Your so women, then women don't have merit. It's different. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Women don't have merit. Because merit camp is for the guys to get their license. If I, right. if I remember so, correctly. Because yeah. the guys also have. The yeah, is, that AJ, is that AJ chiming in? Oh, no. Oh, AJ didn't I, say I, anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I heard somebody saying yes to me saying merit. Yeah, because we are, what, high performance and then merit, right? Because yeah. there's high performance. The women don't have high performance either. I, I, gotcha. I don't want to misquote the names, but I believe the next camp is called the elite camp, like the elite okay. officiating experience. And gotcha. I think that that's it. Okay. I know it's always kind of confused me a little bit too, because the different pathways up for men and women, yeah. <laughs> but I believe Defin that that's the next one. Definitely different, slightly different pyramids, obviously with the for sure. men and the women. Can you talk about what it was like to skate in the uh, women's national league? Yeah, definitely. So um, the women's national league was definitely intimidating when I first got out there. Um, it's a lot of those girls played Team USA. They played Division One, um, other levels of college hockey. And um, it's definitely a little bit different than the men's game. I think the women can be pretty feisty sometimes. And sometimes, you know, you, you don't expect them to catch you off guard and say some of the stuff. <laughs> I, um, you know, what's <laughs> funny, for those of our listeners who've never worked a high-level women's game, if you think the men have zingers and one-liners and dirty mouths, no. go work a women's game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely, us, us ladies, we hold our own out there. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard some stuff that I cannot repeat on this podcast on, a, on the Ice Free Women's Game. And I'm sure Sammy can agree. Yeah, so the women are tough. And I feel like it's a different environment when I work a men's game. The way that I can maybe like laugh off a mistake or something like that is not something I feel like I can do in a women's game. Yeah. Um, sure. women, the women's game is definitely a different game of hockey. It's very smart. It's a very intelligent, very quick witted, pay attention, mental game. Um, and yeah, I sometimes just being out there, you're kind of reminded like, whoa, <laughs> like mm -hmm. these girls, these girls are the real deal, you know, like, oh, it's, yeah. it's a, I mean, you know, because <laughs> yep. you skated I, out there with them as well. It. Yeah, because you're right. I, I did the, the 2016 Olympics team's uh, camp. Or was it 16 or eight? No, 18. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Um, anywho, oh, my God. Like, some of those girls, like, getting to watch um, uh, uh, Hillary Knight and 
Amanda Kessel and oh god what's the the oh what's her name number 26 I can't think of her name oh my goodness uh, is, I'll that think Ken, of it. is that Kendall Schofield yes. yeah, yeah yeah her like why and then and like Megan Duggan and like these girls are unreal good and then um she just made it now on I think it was the Blackhawks mm-hmm. um on their coaching staff the first female who I want to say that was Kendall. Did yeah. she? Yeah. Good yeah, for her. That's I saw amazing. that somewhere. It's pretty skill, cool. Skill development, I believe. That's awesome. I didn't even know. That's great. Because yeah, so that, girl, that girl can skate. Breaking the glass ceilings, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. You never know. You never know when the next huge opportunity is going to present itself. Um, well, and, and just for the women in general, like the amount of opportunities that are out there that either are unfilled or even no one knows about yet. Like it, it, the things coming this way for women, especially in, in hockey, it's just huge. Like it's a great time to be a female official or just. No, I, I say that all the time general. that it's a great time to be in this position. Um, the amount that the game has grown in 10 years is absolutely insane. When I was a kid, all I wanted to do was play hockey and there was still checking in peewees. We didn't have any girls teams in Florida. Um, Maybe one. And it was like a couple hours away. And my mom was like, you're not playing hockey. Are you out of your mind? Like you're going to get hit. You're not playing, you know? So when I did play, it was with the town team that, you know, didn't have checking. Um, But now, I mean, the, even in Florida, the Florida Alliance has a AAA girls team at every level. I'm pretty sure that their entire organization would have made it to a national tournament this year mm-hmm. um, had nationals happened. <laughs> but yeah, so even just things like that, I mean, that did not exist for me when I was growing up. And nope. so that the trickle down effect of now having this professional, this professional league and trying to add more teams to that, getting the NHL to back those teams and become more involved. Um, even locally in New England, a lot of the games that um, the Hockey East teams, they're on Nesson, which is New England Sports Network. So a lot of the games are on TV. Um, Amazing. And, and that, gets, that gets the community involved and that gets the little girls um, and younger girls saying, I want to do that. They're on TV. Look at them. I can do that too. And it just is a, a, a ripple effect. So that's, the game has grown so much on the women's side. Um, it's really amazing. Yep. That, that it is. And it, it's definitely been, uh, it's been fun to watch the growth on the women's side too. And Obviously, it's been fun to watch like you and uh, Jess Herman, who we previously have had on, and some of the other female officials that I've gotten to know over the years, like get the opportunities that you have because of the doors that are being opened. So what what does the future hold for you, Miss Sammy Klein, <laughs> as far as uh, hockey and then, you know, like in life as well, like big picture plans for you moving forward? Well, I can't speak to what will happen, but I have some pretty big goals. I just want to continue on this path with college hockey and see where that takes me. I think my big, like, long-term goal is to work at Frozen Four. I mean, that was – I'm sure that's so many people's goals, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. um, That would be the ultimate goal. Um, 
definitely have a lot to work towards to even be able to, you know, come to that point. But, um, I, I try to work a lot of junior hockey. Um, I just recently did something really cool. So I, I was part of the first all women, uh, crew to work a junior hockey game. And that was in the USPHL. So there's congratulations on that. (laughs) I remember seeing an immediately texting you right away (laughs) um yeah so that was awesome and there's a couple of other women who um are local to the massachusetts area who have gotten their feet wet with junior hockey this year so it's just really important for me to be able to mentor them and um you know just to show that women aren't just here to work women's games you know we can work anything you work the boys games too Exactly. So, um, so we're definitely working on getting more women involved in men's hockey and junior hockey here. Um, (laughs) um, I don't know, just thinking. So I did something really cool. I know we spoke about this a little bit earlier this past weekend, um, with the country of Columbia. So not only. Oh yes, yes. I meant to bring this up. So (laughs) So it's our listener. Hold I'm going to, I'm going to set this up. So for our listeners, there's, it's what the, the countries down in like Central America or South America, right? Right. So, so we had this tournament last year uh, down in Coral Springs called the LATAM, so the Latin American Cup. And it was previously called the Pan American Tournament with the IHF. And it's all of the national teams in uh, – we had Colombia, Mexico, um, Argentina. Jamaica had a team. Jamaica. It was really, (laughs) really cool. A lot of places that have professional roller leagues um, that have things like Narch and Tours and all of that. They have really sick hands. They play roller hockey professionally, but they don't have ice. So um, it's really cool to have them up in our area last year. We obviously couldn't do it this year because of COVID, but we're looking forward to being able to host the next one down there next year. Um, so yeah, we had all these countries who they came and they had a couple days to practice on the ice and they got their feet wet and they got their feet under them and, um, they played some really great hockey and they were really happy to be there. So we're working on growing the game for those countries where, you know, you think of hockey, you think of Russia, you think of, you know, Germany, Finland, Canada, you don't think of Colombia, right? So oh, you know, I mean, when I think of. When I think of Jamaica, I think of the bobsled team. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, I believe, and I don't want to misspeak, but I think that part of the Jamaican national team actually had uh, the ability to practice up in Canada and Toronto a little bit. So mm-hmm. that was that's really cool for them to do. Um, so, and then what and happened so, this past weekend? So this past weekend, uh, we hosted the uh, Columbia Hockey Federation down in Coral Springs, Florida. And so Columbia is getting an ice rink soon. Not exactly sure when, but it's in the works for them to get a rink. I believe that's going to be in Bogota. And so they were able to send three officials and also a handful of coaches to spend a couple of days in Coral Springs for a clinic that we put on for them to be able to learn and transition their skills from the game of roller hockey to the game of ice hockey. That's um, so yeah, really cool. So we had some 
obviously huge differences that you don't see in roller hockey, like big fundamental things like offsides and icing. So yep. we spent a lot of time <laughs> going over that. Um, but it was really, really cool to get to work with them. They have all the you know same or similar penalties. So mm -hmm. they know all the signals and you know their penalty standard is, is pretty much the same, but just going over you know fundamentals of handing the puck off in situations like offsides yeah. and icing and um, the three-man officiating system because um, mm -hmm. everything in roller hockey has two, two officials. So we worked on some complex officiating systems and concepts. And it was really cool. It was a really great experience. That's amazing. So we're trying to just grow the game down there. Yep. And hopefully those officials will be able to come back and maybe officiate at our tournament next year. That would be really cool. That would be really <laughs> cool to, to have those uh, those guys from the different countries come and referee the, uh, those games. That would be an amazing experience for them. Definitely pushing the, for that. <laughs> it's the growth of the game. Like, it's a global game. It's something that, you know, we don't we don't think about actually um, got a couple, I've gotten messages from uh, I got a message from a guy in Poland the other day that listens to the podcast. Wow. He's a, he's a veteran and I had talked about mental health. So he like wanted to reach out and kind of talk about that kind of stuff. And then um, we have a listener uh, female from Singapore who I've talked to a few times um, and, and, Brendan, you're going to get a kick out of this. Apparently, we're celebrities over there. I love it. Wow, really? <laughs> all, 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 their, all their referees listen to our, to our podcast. That's awesome. Well, so... so I hello really to everybody cool, in Singapore. I had a really cool opportunity. Um, during my futures camp, they actually had a couple of female officials from not from the u.s so we had um two gals from russia okay um one from i believe china and the other one from australia so oh, wow. it was a really cool opportunity to you know spend a week with them and um, make some pretty close friendships with some people mm -hmm. who um are all over the world yeah. i actually talked to the the gal from australia just this week because i knew that the guys were coming from colombia and i wanted to ask her about the international rule book and mm -hmm. it was you know great to to get to know them so i mean if you ever if you ever want to incorporate hey, some give, other officials from some uh, other countries maybe they'd give, be interested <laughs> I, I need i need her contact info that'd be cool to talk to yeah her. she's really cool i'd love to pass that along uh, make i mean we might as well try to make this more of a global podcast <laughs> yeah definitely i mean we talk about you know growing the game so what better way to do that than you know incorporating yeah, it's not just sure. women's game it's the whole nope, world i mean australia world. what a crazy place you don't think about ice hockey from well, there either <laughs> so what's really funny that you mentioned australia when i was working in the sp guys there were we had a few guys that when the sp season would end um a couple months later hockey season would get going down in australia because obviously their seasons are reverse right so our summertime is their winter time so there'd be guys that go down there and play hockey down in australia and i think that this official might have gotten to know some of those guys i'm not sure because she mm -hmm. had come over to visit previously before i met her at the camp Okay. um because she knew a couple of the guys that worked some higher level hockey so i'm mm -hmm. not sure how she got to know them maybe that was how but yeah she would definitely be really awesome to talk to that's cool that's cool well um i guess closing thought um what if you 
could give so this is our usually our advice section what if for any uh young aspiring female official or just any any young aspiring official in general what would be your biggest piece of advice i think my biggest piece of advice and this is yeah for anyone not just a female official for any aspiring official would just be just to keep, remember the goal and not to fall off. Just keep pushing for it. Just be a sponge and just learn everything. You have something to learn from everyone. And I don't care if it's, I don't care what level game it is. I don't care how long you've been doing this. Everyone always has something to learn. And I think that this can be a very discouraging environment sometimes. Um, and we talk a lot about, it being discouraging from coaches and parents. Um, and we obviously have a huge initiative to try to combat that and respect in officiating, not just within our sport, but within all sports. Um, but not just in that environment. I think just like with your peers, it could also be a very intimidating world to be in. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think the best piece of advice is to just worry about what you're doing and focus on that and work hard at it every day and just don't give up working on that because you're the only person that has your own I mean you're your own advocate um yep. no one's going to do the work except you so you know it's not just going to fall in your lap you have to want it and you have to try hard for it and you can't let people get in your head whether that's you know a friend or someone you see as competition or a coach or a parent or you just can't let anyone tell you no if you let, if you listen to anybody tell, you no, then, you know, it'd be a long, long ladder. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that is an absolutely outstanding piece of advice for anybody out there. So we thank you, Brendan. Do you have, have anything else for uh, Sammy? No, thank you for coming on. I mean, it was, it was a blast to listen to you guys. So thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll definitely have you on again at some point in the future especially when uh the next time the latin cup thing comes around yeah cool definitely to... i would love to have you guys um be there and be a part of that oh for sure and Sold. uh yep brendan you'll have to come for that it'd be a good time Sold. so i, <laughs> I guess with that we will uh we'll wrap it up and again sammy thank you so much for coming on and i hope uh i hope everybody out there enjoyed this interview Thank you, guys. <laughs> um, we have to bring up a clip that happened um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to have Brendan. I'm going to send it to Brendan so you guys can all see it. This It's funny. I got to make fun of myself here. In the back by Bennett Blake. Missed by penalty coming up. Ross Cromaldi was told by his linesman. He didn't see it momentarily. Apologies for the crowd mic picking up the audio, but you know what? He's got a point. That was a silly, silly penalty to take in overtime. Puck not in arm's reach of Blake, and he just took a piece of cable instead. Frustration, a lack of concentration. Only Blake Bennett or Bennett Blake knows, but very inopportune time to do it. Well, we heard right by the crowd mic when those two got into each other. Bennett Blake winced. Uh, it looked like nothing was there, just a typical hockey play. But then Bennett Blake took a baseball swing into the back of Laz Cable. And I think the issue the Junior Blades have is that Ross Cromaldi 
didn't see it at all. He was told by his linesman and then raised his arm in the air about five seconds later. Well, and uh, I always hate it when teams complain about that because if it happened, it happened. It doesn't matter if the referee is a little late, but I will say it looked like Cromaldi was discussing something with the linesman during play, which we've seen a couple times. And in three-on-three, that's okay. But in my opinion, when you're the sole referee out there, you have to have your eye on the play at all times because nobody else can make the call. Fortunately for him that time, his his linesman was able to find it and help him out. But uh, so me and Sammy are working together. And um, we were in overtime in a USPHL game. And I'm coming up the the far side boards and I go to say something to Sammy and I'm not paying attention to the play. It's three on three overtime. I'll admit it. I'm watching the puck <laughs> and off to my left out of my peripheral vision, something happens and Sammy goes, Ross, put your arm up. So being a, you know, a, a good referee and listening to my linesman, I just did what I was told and I, I put my arm in the air. Like I have no idea why my arm is in the air, but it's in the air. So we blow the whistle. She's like, that's a slash. So I call the slash. No big deal. Well, obviously, the, the team that got the penalty called against them is going nuts because I clearly didn't see it. But the best part of this whole thing is, is the commentators are throwing me under the bus. So we go on to hockey TV, and this game was fairly important to me as it was a, um, in a memorial game for a friend of mine who passed away recently. And they did a really beautiful you know, clip at the beginning and we wanted to send it to his family. So I wanted to go watch after the game to see what they had to say and listen to, you know, the, the little speech. And after that was over, I'm like, Hey Ross, do you want to go and, and see that slash? Let's go see if you can see it on the recording of the game. And he's like, you probably won't be able to see it. It's, you know, right under the camera. I'm like, let's just go try to look. Right. So Meanwhile, we've, we've had a few sodas at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so we're enjoying our sodas and we're watching. And you can see in the camera view, this guy just took a two-hander to the back of this kid's legs. <laughs> and you can't really see it, but you can see him like limp away from it. Yep. And then like five seconds delay and Ross puts his arm up. <laughs> so this commentator just starts ripping into him and he said he went to go say that there was a big slash missed by the referee and then he said oh he was told by his linesman and he said it like five times (laughs) and (laughs) And what was really and what's really funny is the live mic on the ice also heard a blades player tell it is yell at his teammate you effing idiot yep (laughs) Oh, man, because it was obviously a dumb penalty to take. <laughs> oh, it's but it was a... so funny. So we had some discussion after this because I believe a team maybe used their timeout or we just had some downtime when we were, we were chatting about it. And during that downtime, this uh, commentator used that time to, to further how he thinks it's ridiculous that, you know, a linesman could advise a referee to call a penalty and he just called Ross out quite a few times and hopefully you will be able to get that clip in there. It's very comical. Oh, it's, it's so funny. And I think the, uh, 
the best part about it is, is like, for us, we help each other on the ice and you know, a good linesman's going to tell their referee, Hey, you missed something, put your arm in the air. Like I, I've been told, I multiple, want someone doing that for me. Definitely. Like I've been told multiple times at, at high levels, Hey, if, if there's something that, you know, your referee missed, just tell him to put his arm up. Definitely. So yeah. little piece of advice out there. If, uh, you know, if your referee misses anything and yep. pulls a Ross Cromaldi, just pull an <laughs> SK and scream at him. Loud Put your arm in the air. Right <laughs> All right. Well, that, that concludes our, uh, our story we forgot to tell during uh, the <laughs> first part of the recording. Couldn't get away without that one. <laughs> With uh, Sammy Klein, we hope you enjoyed it. It was very entertaining. Uh, we had some laughs. We, uh, we had to add in a little bit about a um, game that her and I worked together recently, and I believe Brendan shared the clip already, but we'll go ahead and share that again. We'll definitely re-add that clip. It's, it, it's worth it. It's, it's, yeah, it's be absolute beauty. And then before, uh, sorry, before we move on, we do have to thank our sponsors. Uh, yes, yes, at we do. Acme Whistles. They are helping you make the big calls since 1870. The legendary Acme Thunderer is now available in matte black. You can purchase it on our store. They're sick. They're awesome. You guys hear me say this every single week. I love them. I have two of them. They're amazing whistles. They look so good. The matte black just looks amazing, in my opinion. Yep. Oh, it does. Oh, you know what I learned about Acme as well? You uh, know they make a rose gold whistle? Dude, yeah. So I saw on their Instagram page that it's, I kind of want like one. hundred. It's $125. I know. I kind of want one, though. And like that, that would look sick. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I'm, and I'm sure they make other ones, too, but the rose gold one's pretty freaking sweet. I, I want I one. I have to say. Yeah, they, uh, they definitely do a lot of cool whistles. I mean, they do more than just hockey whistles. I believe they do a bunch of dog whistles as well. Nice. So if you are a dog trainer and for some reason listen to this podcast, I mean, we don't personally sell those ones, but Acme <laughs> does, and they're awesome. Like, all of their whistles, they're the only whistle brand that I actually like to use and use. So yep. thank you to Acme as always for being yes, amazing Acme, sponsors. Yes, you guys are amazing. And then we have another sponsor to talk about. Uh, not this week. Nope. No, not this week? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. The, uh, well, yes, we, of course we do. The Team Stripes Academy. Oh, wow. We have that. The, and the, ma the master course yep. from NHL legend, who I actually saw this past weekend, Don Koharski, the man, along with Brandon Bourgeois and uh, Jamie Koharski and the rest of the Team Stripes crew, that put that together. So if you're uh, an official that wants to broaden your horizons and, and learn from some of the best, check out the Team Stripes Academy, which I believe is on sale right now. Uh, I believe so. I'm not 100% sure. But what I do know is the new merch that we dropped over the past probably like two weeks is it's all on the store now. It's absolutely sick. I put like a massive order in for myself and – that will be here, I believe, like sometime early next week. Uh, I do know one thing, though. If you want the gifts in time for Christmas, today, December 8th, is the last time to order to get them in time for Christmas, I believe, is what I was maybe reading. Maybe tomorrow. Or maybe the tomorrow. Maybe. But go to our store. 
everything on there. It looks awesome. You can get our uh, custom matte black whistles as well on there from Acme. You can get a bunch of hoodies. We have shorts on there, uh, sweatpants, you name it, we have it. And if we don't have it, we'll probably be getting it shortly. Um, but our merch looks absolutely awesome. I'm excited for it. It's got a bunch of different colors. I'm just pumped for it. That's great. That's great. Good stuff, man. I'm looking forward to buying some and rocking it myself. It's, I cannot um, wait. Let's see. I know you wanted to talk about your weekend this past weekend. Yeah. I do we, want to uh, talk. I do want to talk a little bit about mine first. Cause I know you're pretty fired up about yours. Yeah. We can hear yours. Um, so on Friday, um, so we obviously we we all know Don Koharski and Jamie. Uh, they are members of the Team Stripes family. Well, another member, I guess, Jamie's came for I think twelve or fifteen years, and um, on Friday she got to have her day with the Stanley Cup. That's awesome. She is she is now one of seventeen women, ten of which are owners. The other seven are front office staff to have their name on the Stanley cup and somewhere the hockey gods are all sorts of pissed off that the Koharski name finally found its way onto the Stanley cup. And at some point soon, I think I want to have Liz on the podcast because I would love to, uh, you know, have her share some insight on what she does for the, for the lightning. I think it'd be, I think it'd be a cool listen. I think just having your name on the cup's good enough to be able to come right? on. I mean, right? that would, I would pay big money for that. I know. And it was funny because um, Jamie was saying, because like, you know, what name are you going to put on the cup? And she's like, well, I'm just going to put Liz because that's what everybody goes me, knows me by. And and Jamie tried to get her to put Liz Jamie Koharski <laughs> on the cup. But she ended up, she put her maiden name. So Liz Sylvia Koharski on the cup so a member of our team stripes family well extended member of our team stripes family has has her name on lord stanley's cup forever which is awesome yes it is all right so now let's hear about your weekend man let me tell you we in dallas here here we go we're okay i will say this right now we are absolutely blessed that hockey is still on and we have so I, i think we're currently four out of five weekends in a row of tournaments. We have one coming up, or I guess two more coming up right before Christmas. So every weekend we've had a tournament, which just means a lot of hockey. You're seeing the same teams a bunch because it's, it's, I mean, the same crews are coming in. I've actually got yep. to see uh, Dave Clarkson, who coaches now for the Colorado Thunderbirds 16 AAA team. I saw him, I think, three weeks in a row. He's an absolute just beauty and a half. And then uh, I also got to see Mr. Stanley Cup winner, Ray Whitney. Don't confuse him with Ryan Whitney. Ray does not have a vodka, but he does have a Stanley (laughs) Cup. He does have a Stanley Cup. I don't know which one's better. but Stanley Cup or your own vodka? I mean, mean, uh, yeah. But one makes more money, too, at the end of the day. Yeah, well. But no, so they've been in town all week. and Or, I mean, the past, I think, two or three weeks they've been in town. And so they're always fun to skate with because, I mean, they, they, they get it, right? Like, yep. I think uh, it was funny in one of my games with Dave Clarkson on the bench, one of his kids got interfered with, and I saw it, but I didn't put my arm up. 
Like I was like, ah, oh, that's interference, but I didn't put my arm up. And then his player goes and retaliates and slashes him. And me being me, for some reason, I put my arm in the air. The second I do it, I go, oh, oh no, like this is this is bad. So call the penalty. We'll call both guys. Well, no. So at this point, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm gonna eat this one. So call the penalty, and Clarkson's losing his mind, which I mean, he has all the right to. Like it was a horrible call. Skate over to him, and he's just looking at me. He's like, he's like, I I don't I don't understand how how do you call this? And I was like, yeah, I fucked up. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that, like, that was, that, that's bad. Like, I was like, please kill this penalty off. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. And then he was a-okay after that. And I was like, thank goodness. Like, that's all, like, thank goodness he didn't rip me. Cause he easily could have. And I, I definitely would have let him cause he deserved it. But it was also funny. I had another two, I guess two games this weekend. And uh, it was with a local team and I saw them. It would have been Saturday night and then Sunday morning. So didn't have a lot of time in between games to uh, forget about them. But uh-huh. so in, in, in the first game, the, uh, the, the one team, there was like a scrum in front of the net or something. And I ended up calling a holding penalty. And then a kid's helmet fell off. Don't know how, like, it fell off. They don't wear them properly. Like, Dude, duh. this past weekend in one of my USPHL games – we had four guys have their helmets pop off. Yeah, like I, I, I don't understand it, but whatever. That's guys, put your helmets on. Like I don't know, mm-hmm. but so guy's helmet falls off, and the sixteen, seventeen year old kid thinks it's a genius idea to just shoot the helmet away, and obviously that's going to start something. So I hammer my whistle, and originally I only had the hold, hammering my whistle. And I'm just like, I think it was it was like 97 or something. I was like, 97, you're going two, you're going two, you're going two. So now mm-hmm. team's down five on three. And, and it's two minutes, five on three. Coach isn't going to be happy about this. But, like, hey, like, tough shit. Like, the kid held the kid, and then he decided to shoot the, the helmet. Like, I, what do you want me to do? Oh, so coach, coach calls me over, and he agrees with the helmet being shot away. Like, he's like, that was a good penalty. I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, but I disagree with the hold. And I was <laughs> like, okay, well, he kind of had him like in a chokehold, like WWE style here. Like that, that ain't going to fly. Yeah. yeah like it was, it was one of those holds where it's like, this is a minor, but like, if I really wanted to be an asshole, like I could probably give him something more, but like, there's no point. Cause mm-hmm. like quiet game, no need for it. Yeah. Coach goes banana lance, absolutely banana lance for no reason throws his clipboard so at this point i'm like i'm like dude like you are putting me in a tough spot so i skate away because i'm like i really don't want to bury you five on three like five on three extended like have a third penalty on the board like i don't want to do that to you so i Mm -hmm. skate away i'm doing my line change he's still just screaming so call a bench minor because at that point i'm like okay i have i have like there's nothing else i can do here call the bench minor and he puts a guy in the box. They ended up killing off the penalties, like, no issue. Rest mm-hmm. of the game, he's just grumpy. And he's the home team, so he has last change, and I'm always doing my line changes. And he's, he's waiting until my arm goes up every single time. I don't care. Like, that's, that's you're allowed to do that. Yep. 
So eventually later in the game, I called a penalty for something. And then he just starts going. I think it was like an obvious trip. Like kids like stuck his stick into the guy's feet and he trips like obvious trip. Coach is going ballistic again. And I'm like, dude, like, like relax. Like this is an obvious trip going ballistic. Give him another bench minor. So now he's down five on three for the second time in one game. So he's not happy about this. So we end up going into overtime for this game. And in overtime, one of his players elbows a kid. If it wasn't in the head, I would be thoroughly surprised. So I I call an elbow because I was like, "Eh, I don't know if it hit him in the head, but more than Mm -hmm. likely it probably did. So call the elbow and coach is going a wall because I call the penalty in overtime. Well, penalties or runtime here in Dallas is, or excuse me, overtime in Dallas is runtime. So we have five minute runtime. So he's not putting out his players. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, put your forward on the ice. Let's go here. Like clock's running. We know what you're trying to do here. So there's about a minute and a half left of overtime. And he's, he's not putting his guys out, not putting his guys out, not putting his guys out. Finally, hammer my whistle, call over the captain who at all game, just an absolute beauty that the boys call him Big Chris. I love Big Chris. He's my boy. I'm like, mm-hmm. I looked at him. I said, Chris, I said, here's how this is going to go. I said, I really, really, really do not want to do this. But I said, here's what's going to happen. And I told him, I said, you have 15 seconds to put guys on the ice. I said, if not, you get a bench minor. So after that, I said, after that, if we still don't want to play, I said, you guys are taking a forfeit and you lost your coach for whatever 30 days, however, however long the match penalty is. And I was like, I need you to go tell them this. Like, I don't want you to lose this game because of your coach. Mm -hmm. So goes over his coach, still doesn't put anybody out. So I call the delay game. I said, Hey, whatever. I'll call the delay game. Go over to scorekeeper, call delay game. And I tell him, put a minute and a half on the board. And we're going to play it stop time because this guy is legit just trying to delay the game. So we're now playing stop time for the last minute and a half, which like, should we technically know? But like, I'm like, I'm not going to screw the other team, like because of a coach. Yeah, makes sense. So yeah. And so now he's down five on three again for the third time. Now we're in overtime. Somehow the team doesn't score on the five on three. We go to a shootout. His team ends up winning. Calls me over at the end of the game, and he's like, he's like, I just, I, I just don't understand. And I was like, what, like, well, like, what's up? And he's like, how do we go down five on three three times in one game? I said, well, the first one was a hold and a whatever. Like, I think I called in sportsmanlike, and then I said the other two were because of your bench minor penalties. And he's like, my players were playing so well, blah 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 blah. And I looked at him and I said, I don't disagree. Like, they were playing really well. And you just don't get it. You caused them to go down five on three. So he gets off the ice. He's still not happy. Next morning, come out for warm ups, And, of course, he sees me, and it's just like the, oh, uh, here we go again. And at this point, I don't care what happened the night before because if I did, I, I shouldn't be a referee. Like, that's kind of one of our things. Like, yo, I don't care what happened the night before last game. Like, yep, it's a new day, new slate. Who knows? Maybe you're really nice today. So big Chris comes up to me in warmups and he's like, Hey, uh, is tonight going to be a long day. 
I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, kind of, you know, what happened last night with the coach? I was like, dude, I have zero ill will against your coach. I was like, I'm here for you guys. I was like, you guys play like you did last night. You're going to win. And thankfully game went on like nice and smooth, but it, it just, it made me laugh so much. Just how, how, like I had full control of this hockey game. All the players were nice and cool with me. Like nobody was yelling at me, but it was so funny to just see this coach go absolutely ballistic just by me, like talking to his players because they were all being nice and respectful back. And like, I think it's a huge lesson to everybody. Like refs don't really care what hat, like I'm there for the players at the end of the day. Like you can, you can be a good coach. You can be a bad coach. You can yell at me all you want. Like at the end of the day, we're there for the players. And it was just, it was one of those things where it just made me laugh because it was just like, yep, like this is, this is youth hockey for you in a nutshell. Yep. It is. Uh, and, uh, I, I have no words sometimes when dealing with these coaches. It's just like, that's why I've just gotten to the point where I don't even fight them. I don't, you want to scream and yell, scream and yell, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, yeah. I just, I, it's very hard for me or very hard for you to get a bench minor from me for screaming and yelling. Cause I look at it this way. I'm not going to punish the kids. And if I got to be out here, you got to be out here. Oh, 1000. That's all. 1000%. It's like, you know what? You want to look like a clown and act like a clown. All the power to you. All the power to you, bud. I'm not, I'm not. Mm -mm. No, but on to a lot better news uh, after my weekend. Hopefully this weekend goes a lot smoother. It probably will. We have an yeah, NAP got, showcase uh, in town. Nice. So that'll and be we, fun. We have uh, 16 AAAs this weekend. Those are always the best. Well, and what's really funny is, is our, our scheduler, like we got a bunch of but we have so we have single A and double A's, which are all three man games. Mm -hmm. Then we have the sixteen triple A's, which we're doing four man, as and they high should school, be, and high school games. Well, what's what's funny is, um, so one of my friends um, who at some point will come on, he's taking over scheduling like the high level stuff mm -hmm. in the state as far as youth hockey goes, so he takes the six best referees in our entire association and makes us busy the whole weekend Nice with the 16 triple A's. I mean, <laughs> so, there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. But now, you know, the, the rest of the association now have they our, our poor scheduler has to figure out who to put on the rest of the stuff. Yeah. I would, I would hate to be a scheduler. Like I can't oh, do yes. it. Just I trying to, just, especially now just trying to find like, yeah, bodies more so than anything. Like I, I would hate it. Exactly. On to some different everything news. Up. Exactly. Oh, what, what else you got? I, I thought we were going to wrap it up here. No. So uh, I've been saying for probably a month, if not two months now, that we'll set up a phone number for you guys to call in. We'll ask a different like question every week. You guys call in, leave a voicemail. We play the best ones. And so, oh I, man, this is going to be fun. I know. I'm so excited. I finally so got this on, set up on the wrestling podcast. I listen to, we call it cashing in. Okay. So we got to come up with a name we'll think for, of uh, for, for it. Okay. We'll definitely think of something as of right now, the phone number is set up. Um, I will be posting it on all of our social medias. Well, what's at, the phone number? 
Well, it is 469-476-0093. Perfect. So you call in that number. You should be able to leave a voicemail. I really hope it works. If it doesn't, I mean, we'll figure something else out. But I'm super pumped to get that finally up and running. So call in. And I want to know, like, your favorite referee story because everybody has one. Like, I don't care if it's beer league, might hockey, you know, professional hockey, whatever. Like, we want to hear it. And um, if it's good enough, we'll put it on the podcast in our – whatever we call the segment. Yep. So, um, but, and, with, and just, and try to keep the profanity to a minimum, please. Pretty please. Yeah. Pretty, pretty please. And then also one last thing on our YouTube, we are at 968 subscribers. So quick maths, we are 32 subscribers away from 1000. If I'm right. Yeah. That sounds about right in my head. Um, <laughs> I would love to get there by Christmas, so it's December 8th okay, right yeah. now when we, we're recording. We need, we need to get to 1,000, man. Yeah, and when we do get to 1,000, the 1,000 people that are subscribed will be entered to win something. We don't know what yet. When we get there, oh, we I, get there. I have an idea of what it's going to be. I like the ideas. I'm, I'm not going to divulge yet because I still have to ask if, um, if we're allowed to. Get- if I can get this particular item. So, so look out with for that said. <laughs> Yeah. So guys, subscribe. There's going to be a bunch more content coming onto the YouTube channel in the new year. Um, I'm going to start like streaming or whatever on there. Just something to get more views. Um, but look out so, for more stuff on there. And I think that wraps up episode 78. So as always, awesome. thank you guys and see you guys next week. Sounds good. See ya.